In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. All right. Welcome to EMS Office Hours. I am Jim Hoffman. Josh Knapp. Dave Brenner. Welcome, gentlemen. Um, I'm hoping uh, anybody out there, if you are listening, be sure to go ahead and hit that like button for us. Let us know you're watching, that we you're engaged with us. Um, this is streaming on both Facebook and the YouTubes. Um, so if you comment on each one, this platform will let us know uh, if you've commented um, in, in either one of those platforms. So uh, today, so streaming isn't like going down a black hole. Like we're we're no. you know, we're going to be sucked into and thrown out yet. as we enter. No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. So um, I, I kind of uh, you know went ahead and and titled this episode, you know, the great NREMT hoax. And, you know, the, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm sure, Dave, you must have seen it by now, this resolution that the NRMT has come out with to change eligibility requirements to take the NRMT and uh, where before agencies that were teaching courses how to be accredited and or have a letter of accreditation. And now it's just a letter from the state saying that, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're following standards. We're following, uh, you know, national guidelines. And then you can still take the, the uh, NREMT exam with that. And I mean, I was, when it first happened, I, Facebook was crazy with, with comments on various posts that were people putting out there, you know, some of the leading EMS websites like EMS1.com were putting out podcasts about it and, and their opinions on it and their authors and, and uh, article creators on, on that platform were writing about it as well. So I thought that maybe we can come on and give our little take on it as well. And I it, for me, this is a kind of a hard... Um, topic to kind of talk about. I think that it's very difficult to stay focused on the the topic at hand. You know, we can jump around about, you know, states not wanting to pay for accreditation, the agencies not wanting to pay for accreditation, national registry reacting to a fall and, and a, a decrease in people wanting to be paramedics and, and, and EMTs. Um, and what the causes of that are, whether it's pay, whether it's, uh, you know, increased call volume and not enough providers out there to handle the call, calls that are coming in, um, you know, just all these different things that kind of can tie into it. Um, I'm wondering, though, at, at its heart, does it really matter, you know, for states themselves, or is it more just 
you know, people that want to get the National Registry uh, certification so that they can go to other states to work down the road and things like that. Um, whereas some, some states might just do away with the NREMT altogether and just have a state exam and not have to require NREMT to work there. Some states require it. That's their final exam is the National Registry and then you get your, your certification. Whereas other states don't really require it, you can take a, a state final, um, and then that's your then that qualifies you to get your certification. The National Registry is sort of secondary to where if you want to go to another state, a neighboring state or whatever to work, you can do. That's why I had to get my National Registry. I was going went to New Jersey, North Carolina, and they required you to have that on top of whatever certification you had to get your foot in the door to work in those states. And I think a lot of states are like that. So I'm just wondering, I think, you know, does it really matter, you know, uh, nationwide or is just, just something that's going to just help states not have to, or not states, but help agencies not have to pay, what do they say, $15,000 or whatever to, you know, uh, uh, apply for accreditation to be a national registered you know, EMT or, or, or a paramedic. Um, so I'm wondering... What do you guys think the basic, I guess at its core, what do you think the main issue is with this proposal? Is it going to hurt EMS or, or hurt the quality of providers? You know, I don't know if it's going to really hurt quality of providers. I see a lot of people online screaming about that, that, you know, there's no regulation of, you know, the, the, the standards and, it's going to somehow hurt the, you know, the quality of the people getting put out there, you know, on the street as the EMTs and, and paramedics. So let me, let me start in here and just say that that what that's been a complaint uh, about the quality of EMS and the quality of providers and how do we raise the quality of providers throughout the whole system. And I'm just going to throw out a curve from left field that says, basically we're at the same damn problem we've had, forever um, is that there's no real path in EMS. There's no real um, uh, avenue to make a living. Um, we're still underpaying and overworking these people. It's not an attempting job to get into unless you really don't know how it, you know, the nit and grit of how it's run. Um, but with that said, I really want to turn this over to Dave because yeah. there, is a, there is a I wanted to throw that grenade over the, the wall there because it's really you want to you want to maintain quality, keep the older people who have the knowledge, the talent, the experience to teach the younger people, create an environment where we have mentoring, create an environment where we have quality of life create an environment where there's a uh, there's a livable wage and and you will get people who stay in the profession because that's the problem this profession as is medicine is learn and then practice 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 you know as much as people hate the word practice not their practice on me every time you touch a new patient there's that realm of experience modification that goes on but yeah. Where I don't quite get, you know, I've read over the uh, the pre-show documents, 
And, you know, Kelly Grayson is, you know, one who's uh, always has an opinion. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, the NR, uh, uh, NREMT made statements and such like that. But I don't get what they're what they think they're doing. What what is the result of all this going to be? Is it pushed down back to the states? Because that's where it started from. So, you know, no shortage of opinions here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, wh why don't we Why don't we use Why don't we use the wayback machine? You know, Sherman, come with me. We're going to go in the wayback machine and see what things were like before we had accreditation. Like before we had accreditation. Yeah. I think we need Josh back. Okay. Um, so was there a change when we introduced accreditation? Do accredited, do accredited instructional agencies fare better? So if I were just to simply ask you that question, what would you say? Do they do better from an accredited agency? And well, well, I'll, I'll listen without having like stats of agencies and the success rate uh, of their students taking the national registry. It's hard to say, right? Some people, I've seen some comments uh, made that uh uh, agencies, uh, you know, educational agencies that have taught EMTs and paramedics that their students struggle taking the NRMT if it's not accredited and then other ones, you know, say it doesn't make a difference either way. So that, does that mean it goes back on the, the instructors and the program? I, th I think the agency doesn't get to say whether or not it's easier or harder for the students. I mm. think that a data analysis comparing accredited and non-accredited programs, not individual, but in general, would be your would be your search for data. That's where it would be. And the question is, has anybody studied that? And the answer is yes. Yeah. There, there, there are people on the national level who've looked at that. And and what did they find? Uh, and a lot of this is is from you know, doing a lot of reading in the past, and I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm just loving the comments that are coming in here. There and and do accredited agencies have a better pass rate than non-accredited agencies in general? And in general, they do. They have a higher pass rate initially on the first go round. Not good for business that might be catering to people who aren't successful, but <laughs> um, they have a higher pass rate uh, on all the rounds. You know, they're more likely to succeed. And, and, and what does that mean? That means to the student that if you're in a program, uh, and we could talk about why that happens, we can and probably should, but I don't want to get stuck there. It means that if you go to a non-accredited program, if you go to a program that simply, which was all the programs in the past, met what the state wanted, right? Right. That you self-accredited yourself. You said that we're following the outline in the in the previous curricula, and you submit you submit a course outline that shows that's what you're teaching that day, 
And uh, what was your pass rate, you know? And if you sign up for a program like that, right now you're less likely to succeed. You've wasted your time if you, if you consistently fail the national registry or if you fail at a greater rate. We have yeah. depleted your funds. And, and, and perhaps some of those places are cheaper than the ones that are credited. Clearly, getting accredited, being part of a, a college costs money, means you pay in general. I'm going to tell you that in general, college, college instructors, I don't know everywhere in the world, college instructors get paid more than people who are just teaching for local EMS agencies or even just county EMS instructional agencies. Hmm. Uh, I, I know, I know the places that I'm affiliated with. I, I don't want to tell you what I would get paid as an instructor at some of the local stuff. It's, it's really nice. You guys hear an echo? Yes. Okay. I'm just, I hear it as well. And it's not from me because I got ear stopples. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. It, okay. But, um, I, I, I suspect that the accreditation process compels people and agencies to put together policies that are above that which is the lowest standard within the state. Uh, it looks perhaps to hiring policies. Who's going to teach? What are the credentials of those going to teach? And listen, I get it. There were some people teaching paramedic who were, uh, who were paramedics. They were high school diploma paramedics. Uh, they became instructors, they were teaching, and they're doing a great job. But universally, that's not the case. Those people, you, you, you know, I, I would like to think, and maybe I'm wrong, that people who've gone on and studied and gotten degrees uh, in health and, and, and medicine, perhaps they come with a, a better background in general to teach, can teach a greater depth than the average person who became a paramedic and then became an instructor without without that kind of training and support. Do you have more training? Do you have more support in colleges? I'm going to tell you, I'm familiar with a college program that provides an enormous amount of support. They hire social support. If you're having a financial crisis, the college has people there to help you navigate through financial crises, to navigate through how to get care, health care for you, for your children. If you want to you know, people in general, although, although there are plenty who are, are coming into paramedicine, they're not coming from law. Some of them are. OK, so some of them are. I've had it. I've had enough of this being an architect or being an accountant or, or I'm tired of being a hedge fund coordinator and I'm going into medicine. But a lot. That's not the typical route. We got people yeah. coming through. They become EMTs. They become paramedics uh, and. And, and the route is not one that's generally highly financed, that they're, they're not coming from uh, strong backgrounds. Now, have uh, strong financial and educational backgrounds. Having said that, some people are. Some people are. But I, I, I think we do a disservice to people by not, not compelling them to go through accredited programs. I think in the long run, if you look... If you looked at paramedicine in 1997, I'm going to go back to my paramedic class in 1992, which was late. That was a late start. I got into EMS in 1979, but my paramedic class, the first class in Suffolk County, all right, it was Stony Brook class one, all right? The diversity in that class 
was nil. Zero. We had some women, not many. It was predominantly men. It was predominantly white men. The instructors were men, predominantly white men. I'm not saying that there was no other diversity, but the amount of diversity was nil. When I did my rotations and I got to see more people outside of my volunteer service, when I went into New York City and I rode on the ambulances in, in some of the prolific, you know, Jamaica Hospital, Flushing Hospital, and, you know, in some of the more prolific uh, mm -hmm. providers, there was no diversity. It was men, white men, predominantly. I think that that's something that perhaps if we look at standards, uh, we look at insisting on having uh, more diversity, if we insist on not having discriminatory policies, I think that that credentialing brings us along those lines. Uh, I think uh, I think that's what I think. I mean, can I, can I tell you that that's worked for every minority? I can't tell you that, but I can tell you with classes that I've been teaching, which I will admit are predominantly at colleges, they are far more diverse than they were when I first started teaching for the county. Yeah, but and, you know, but Dave, you're you're you know talking about the the college uh, or the you know the college environment, whether it's community college or four year, doesn't matter. Um, they they have battled these uh, resource. Um, uh, situations in the past, they're 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 way more uh, educated and experienced with with doing this. When you're talking about a big city, um, you know there were problems that you know in the in the decades past when you joined were starting to become uh, addressed. You know, in terms of diversity within the ranks and and things like that. I think that you're, I think in, in, in my opinion, I very much support structure in order to be able to deliver certain, uh, certain items, whether it be training or it's just the logistics of shipping, you know, your Amazon shipment. Um, when you have that structure around you, it's way, way easier to, to deliver less flawed content and uh, more readily expand and change it. I don't think that these individual hospitals or these small groups that get together and say, let's form a company and teach EMS um, are necessarily, I think, unfortunately, to skip a little bit forward, we're still finding our way after, after you know, 40 years of being a profession Right. It's been we've been around a little more, but yeah, yeah, a little bit more. But let's say, you know, Less first, 50, let's just define around 50. But defining that we're a profession, you know, before when the initial started, it was, you know, you're part of a firehouse, you know, go learn this. It wasn't wasn't necessarily because you needed resources. It's all about resources. I can't walk out into the street. I can help somebody who's fallen, but I can help them better if I have a trauma bag with me. Sure. I can help them even better if I have an ambulance to get them to a hospital because we're all of that, you know, from the street, from the slab to the hospital, you know, that's our, that's our, you know, little area of comfort and where we work. But now, don't you think Josh uh, and Dave, like this, 
a lot of these educate, like Josh, you talked about someone who starts their own business. They say, oh, we want to go start teaching EMT classes. And then down the line, they get set to start some teaching and paramedic, you know, paramedic level classes. Um, do, uh, I mean, they follow state guidelines. They follow the, the structure of what needs to be, you know, taught in, in, in the class. Right. So let we're me give just, you. We're not just winging it. I mean, they, they, I, they're following. Some of them are winging it. You know, well, even with state guidelines. I've, I've seen a lot of comments where people were talking, you know, people have their own experiences where they're like, well, my, my best training throughout my entire career when I became an EMT and I learned it in the squad bay of the, the firehouse. You know, it wasn't in some college. It wasn't, you know, uh, following a, this national registry what else did they, what else did other people learn in the firehouse? When you hear people rave about an experience, there's, there's an opportunity. Somebody was there who did something terrific, hopefully. Well, that's part of it too, I think, is, is I, I will tell you, yes. you know, after so many years in EMS, there are uh, the experiences that I've had where I can say that the, not, I don't want to say, I hate to say fly by night, but the, the less polished educational, um, you know, uh, uh, agencies or programs have some of the most amazing instructors and equipment and all that. But then the more polished ones don't. It's the people that can't do teach there that you know are trying to, to teach you the, the content, following a PowerPoint, you know, outline. And you're not really learning anything, but you're Let's meeting be people up for you're using meeting PowerPoint. standards. You're not learning. You're just meeting everybody's standards. using PowerPoint. Now, so let me let me just back in there for a second. I know somebody say write in, I don't use PowerPoint. Yeah, you know this whole thing about can't do and teach that that uh, infects every level in every area of EMS uh, instruction, and uh, it inf it's every level of instruction. It's, it, you know, this story can't do teach doesn't come from EMS. It comes from, uh, our collegiate system, you know, uh, the whole co concept of tenure and things like that, but this is not, we don't want to get into a side argument of, you know, determining what the level of, we're just looking for a general uniform structure, right? I think it's almost impossible to, it's almost impossible. And, and we need to try and do it because otherwise we get stuck having the conversation we always have. Uh, and, and I see, uh, I see people writing in uh, some great comments when, if we don't disaggregate this conversation right now, we're going to go back to why EMS is a rotten profession. We're underpaid. It costs too much. Shlomo wrote that in. You are spot on with that. I said uh, it in the first five minutes of this podcast. Yes, yes so. but you know, other people are writing in and, and they're right. And somebody wrote in that the NREMT was a money grab. And that may mm -hmm. be true as well. That this, I mean, last week I complained about all the big agencies surrounding uh, EMS, but that doesn't take away from the fact that if we don't do something to move ourselves forward, I am so tough for those of you who are in the field for less than 40 years. Okay. Cause I'm in for more than 40 years. I am so tired of hearing the same old stuff, you know, that, we, that we're underappreciated, that we are underpaid. Uh, and yeah. I will say it again. I will say it again. 
If your job, if you can be replaced in New York State, you can be replaced by an 18-year-old paramedic with a high school diploma. I am saying it again. You can be replaced by an 18-year-old paramedic with a high school diploma. Don't expect to get paid like a critical care nurse. Don't expect to get paid for what I believe you're worth. Okay? When you can come out of high school at 17 years old in New York State as an EMT, sign up for a paramedic class. And in a year, you are a paramedic. 18 years old, you could be drafted finally. Uh, I don't even know that insurance agencies want to hire you or want to let you drive the ambulance for you. But when you can be replaced by an 18-year-old paramedic, don't expect to get paid like a person who fought their way through a four-year program and is a little bit more mature. Everybody's been talking about licensing. Listen, a state certificate is tantamount to a license. No, it's not. Hold on. Hold on. If you want to tell me that once you're licensed, you don't need CME, go talk to the doctors and nurses that need CME. And if you want to be treated like a profession that has gotten bachelor's degrees and required graduate degrees, don't talk until we're there. Because as long as we can be replaced by an 18-year-old paramedic, you're going to get treated like an 18-year-old paramedic. You know, just a real quick review, Dave. Yeah, a little quick review. Who issues licenses and who issues uh, the certificate that we carry? We carry a certificate. We don't carry a license. And there are certain legal... Tell me what the legal difference is. The legal difference uh, is that they don't insure you. Or they used to not insure you. The insurance companies. I'm insured. No, you're insured through a governing organization, but you don't carry your own insurance. I carry my own insurance. I'm sorry, HSPO. Go go sign up with them. You can get malpractice insurance. And the organization, the organization doesn't carry insurance on you. Oh, I'm sure they do. But I carry my own. There are some states that that. Offer both the certification and a license. Yeah. You know, I think Texas is one. I think Connecticut is one. You know, we can talk. Why do we talk about licensing so that we can stop taking CME? It's not going to happen. No, never. never. What? Why should we talk about licensing then? What is it about? What if we call your state certificate a license? What's different? If you can't tell me, let's stop the nonsense. People have said to us, well, I'm a licensed nurse and you're a certified power. Get over it. It's the same thing. It's tantamount. It's treated different by state government. I, and it's tell me treated how. different. Tell me how specifically. You know what? On, it's on time the, to call my bluff. Come on. Tell yeah, me how. Yeah, I got I'll have you. to. I'll you know come I back. You. I'll come okay. back next time. I got you. Yeah, okay. You do that. I um, will. I, I, that's okay. The fact that you can't tell me now, have you been in EMS for more than a couple of years? One and you two. can't tell me that off the cuff? Well, Dave, let me, let me, uh, I'm going to agree with you, Dave. This is, you know what, that- Dave, you know what? I'll agree in the sense that things are, that the lines are getting blurred. There used to be a lot more, but I, I will say that the difference that happened in nursing and the same thing was going on in nursing. All right. You the could get a high school. You could come in with a high school diploma. How did in nurses 50s, take care of themselves? Even who, in the 80s, in the who 90s. The legislation in New you York could, State you could come changed. in. Hold on. Yeah. The the, who pushed the legislation? The who? nurses. 
Really? How did yes. they get together and put push the legislation? They, they Dave? got together with assemblymen and senators. And, and they, they unionized. Have to have an associate's degree. And they and unionized. They in, in and they years. created Forget a uniform union. structure. You wanted only structure. one thing union dues. Unions guarantee union dues. They don't guarantee well, anything else. It seemed and to guarantee a whole lot more for nurses. They no, they have they have made themselves more powerful. They have organized. How? You want, you want, How? You want to, they were the bedpan carriers. They work together with that. If you watch what unions do, they lobby with legislators. Please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can I, I, watch it in New York State with how the police departments work with legislation. Holy moly. Yeah. As, Holy as moly. The, you know, you know they, it, I, I don't want to go down that. I don't want to go right. down that rabbit right. hole. I want to stay on the professional end here. I think okay. I think we need to we need to walk like professionals, move like we already are the demands for what we do are professional. We need to we need to bring the professional along that way. You had to read yeah. it. You're putting it out for the for the listeners. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah that, 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 I don't see the difference. I can no, Dave, listen, I, I, I don't see you, the difference. I, I'm gonna tell you when I was mentioning before about about you know the educational education people get in EMS, and this is something that I'm a big you know fan of, and I preach this like crazy, is that you know when you're done with class, you can't sit back, whether it's a certification or a license or whatever it is, you've got to keep doing the continuing education. You've got to keep reviewing. You have to keep refreshing what you've learned, and and you're I feel like there's no. I mean, there's no accreditation or anything else that's going to keep people making people to make people do that, right? You're going to have your set amount of CMEs you need to recertify, and a lot of people are going to just do the bare minimum to get, you know, uh, their their recertification. People won't go beyond that, you know, and and I think that's something that I, I try to push all the time because I feel like that is something that makes that's what makes you the EMS professional that's what makes you a valuable asset you know to your agency communities that you serve and things like that um you know going back to this national registry thing and them doing away with this you know accreditation by agencies and saying well if all your state says it's okay you can your people can take the exam when i look at a lot of the the, the comments and and feedback on this proposal um a lot of it's from people that are already EMTs and already paramedics, right? A lot of them feel that this decision is moving us backwards. And so like you mentioned early on, Dave, about how the, the, the success rate of, you know, of, of students is higher because they've got that structure behind them. Well, I, I, but I, I can't tell you why it's like higher. You take, take a state like New York, it doesn't require national registry they're following guidelines that are put put forth by you know the, by the New York State, and no matter what, no matter what educational you know. But they're accepting national registry for recip for its reciprocity. It's a back. I don't want to call it a backdoor. It's just an alternate route. You take the national registry. You take the national registry exam, and you apply for certification in New York State, and you yes. get it. Yes, and that's what a lot of states do. That I mentioned almost every on. state. You know, states want you to have a national registry to go apply for their state. It shows that you that you're meeting that 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 minimum standard, I guess, right? 
because um, they don't that know what the standard is. The test standards are. What's that? The minimum standard is a test. The the minimum. So the standard national there's German two things going on. There's two things going on. The national registry, whether or not we make it a required and keep it as a required. Uh, I'm sorry. The written test is there. You know that they're talking about doing away with the uh, the um, the practical skills examination. Right. So, so that they, they won't have a skill exam. You, you, you know that. That's coming. The There's state isn't be... getting rid of it. The National right. Registry yeah. is getting rid of it. So they're, they're gonna... pushing that down into the hiring organizations to say... I think there's pressure of coming from a lot of places to get more to get more people in the field. But if you think the problem of staffing in EMS is unique to EMS as opposed to all medical fields, you are mistaken. What's going yeah, on? But with I, I, Dan, I think with you have to have some type of a, of a skills assessment, don't you think? Oh, so so forever, forever it has been said from the the first course I taught, which was back in 1981. I was told, you know, people are going to take a skill exam. But David, they said to me, you don't let the skill exam decide who's got the skill. When you, when you as the instructor, at the time it was a senior instructor, because I was puffed into that. Um, when you as the senior instructor says they can take the skill exam, you're really saying that I know they have the skills and they're just going to prove it. And when you mm. send them to take the state written exam, you're not sending them in with a 57 average just to have this on the chance that they might get lucky and become an EMT. Yeah. You're yeah. saying they've already proven to me that they meet the academic minimum standards. And when they take the state exam, the state will know it too. So I think, I think that's where the national registry is, is trying to go in that direction. I don't think it's a good direction. I think that there are too many agencies that will wink people by without giving them a skill exam, given the opportunity to do that. I think that there are agencies in it for the money. I think there are agencies in it uh, for, for a lot of reasons that are not strictly educational. And, and, uh, and that's so that is, the, is, so that is the responsibility then. I, I mean, I guess the responsibility is going to fall on the agencies and more importantly, the instructors to make sure, right? The instructors putting their name behind the fact that the student can, can do a skill, that the student can, like you said, is passing exams and they're not going into national registry or a state exam or whatever with a 57 average. They they are meeting, you know, the the quizzes and the, and the chapter exams and things like that. So shouldn't the pushback then become if somebody's if people are failing national registry or state exams on such a high scale, you know, that now the agency should be looked at. And then there. And who's going to look at them? A health department? I don't know. Well, you well, guys I don't are know. missing. That's the thing. I guess. Yeah. I guess whatever. State, How well does that work? There's some the overall state is, is letting it happen. Then this, if the state is not doing, if if the course is not going to do the accreditation part of it, do national registry with it. They have the sort of that accreditation, that process behind them. Then and the state is saying, okay, we're giving them a letter, they're meeting the requirements to go ahead and take the National Registry, then the state should be the one to come down on that agency and say, listen, you know, 30% of your students aren't passing the Well, 30% of your students are passing, as some of them have. 70% failure rates. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when we look at that as a good thing, and that's not necessarily a good thing, because when you have a failure rate that high, you have an inefficiency in the instruction. You you have you have you have questionable motives to begin with. When I for the brief period of time that I was the paramedic program coordinator at LaGuardia, I got a phone call from somebody who said that when we were doing recruitment, they they had written they were interested. I I don't know if they called me or I called them. I think they called me. And they said to me, why would I want to apply to LaGuardia? And I went through all of this stuff um, with the support that we provide. Oh, here's something. Here's a reason why you would want to apply there. I said, almost all of our important lectures, cardiology, pulmonology, OBGYN, uh, endocrinology. You know who teaches them? Doctors, cardiologists, pulmonologists. So we're having wait, to wait, just- but let, me, let, me, let me get Let me get there. So I said, why wouldn't you want to come to, to LaGuardia? And they said to me, because I hear you, you fail people before they get to the end. I said, that is true. We don't fail them. We, we counsel them out because they're failing. They're not going to pass. And they said, well, some people, when they get to the end, they might pass the exam. We know that there are actually services that help people pass an exam. We know that. You can do that. However... If you can't get through the program, you ought not be in the position to get lucky or get skilled at at, at that, you know? Um, so they said, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to this other program. And I said, well, you know, and I said, good luck. I said, good luck, you know. Um, I know you'll get to take the exam. And I know, I know that almost nobody was failing their skill exam. Almost nobody ever filled their failed their skill exam and uh, not even like once, you know, it was rare that somebody would have to retake. And I said, okay, you know, good luck. what can I, I, I couldn't do anything about it, but it was it's common knowledge. The state didn't do anything. You know, I think that we're, we're crossing two different. Um, at least two. At least two in, in the sense that there's the educational component and within any of these Groups, you will have people who are um, um, less honest than others. You know, I saw one of the people saying, oh, there's state, you know, there's schools that uh, give the answers to state questions to boost yep. their passing Thank numbers. You, um, you know, yeah, that's that's the that's the uh, zebra. That's not the horse in this case. You know, the majority of schools aren't going to be cheating against the state or yeah. their their people. But, you know, and I was thinking, well, what makes us different than nurses? And it's like, when you're a nurse and you hit the floor, everybody on the floor, all the other nurses know you're the new nurse and probably will watch you and probably will watch what you're doing for whatever their motivation is, whether or not they, they want to prove you uh, 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 good, or they want to create a stronger team, or they're just a bitter, mean person. <laughs> but they're huh. going to—they're going to watch. The difference in EMS, and it happens too frequently now because we can't maintain our numbers. Is you get two fresh, raw guys or girls, or you know whatever your uh, uh, your pronoun is, on the bus, and you know. How is a non-experienced person supposed to look at a non-experienced person and tell them they're doing it right or wrong, or here's a better way I learned in the field? They don't have that. So when we 
have that disconnect from the field to the classroom, we're, we're starting off with, you know, a, a, a mark against us, so to speak. And now we're supposed to go forward from there. I'm not sure if that's going to be exactly the answer. I don't think that we can necessarily look at any other program and say it's similar to us. Therefore, we can adopt it. I think that we have to have our sort of clean our own cupboard. But one of the answers to cleaning our own cupboard is keep the attrition down. Keep the attrition down. Keep the loss from the field of experienced people down. And I don't think any school can go beyond that. Into the field and not the accreditation issue. I'm telling you, it's a very tangled web. It is. That's yeah. why I mentioned earlier on. It's very hard to stay on track with this discussion because I, it, I wanted to. Not, it is tangled, Dave. So you there's know. a so there's an interesting analogy because just because they have it written down doesn't mean it's the right it's the right method to use. I'm dealing with a town situation uh, where the town board wants to uh, wants to build something, and the people just discovered it because. There were so many things broken along how the town does their business that it actually started to interfere with the knowledge of the people in the town. And that just be, and the town basically said, well, this is what we're doing. It's all legal. This is what's spelled out. Just because you have that spelled out and it's legal doesn't mean it's the right way. And I think that, you know, coming back into the EMS situation, we have National Registry stepping in. If you remember, you know, 20 years ago with National Registry, it was like, who the hell are these people? And every school had their own pride and who's, who's the medics they turned out and everybody knew everybody else. And now we're cranking people out by the gallon and... You know, we're still disappointed with the results in the field. So whose fault is that? I just want, I, I wonder too, though, I mean, this is something I think too, I wonder if a lot of people are saying like, you know, Willie's talking about the National Registry and, you know, it was it's again, talking about the money grab. Uh, Shlomo mentioned about it as well. And, uh, and uh, somebody mentioned early on, how it's about money in National Registry, but I'm wondering, are they kind of doing it, or maybe even being forced to do it because of because of the fact that there's a staffing problem, because there's not enough people getting into EMS, or are they doing it because it's too difficult for agencies to keep paying this money, you know, to have this accreditation? Um, I know that the, 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 what is it? The, I always get them all confused. So uh, the COA, yeah, co-amps, co-amps. They, they, they had their own letter as well. And I'm trying to find, I know I had pulled it up. Uh, they, they feel that this is a concern that this, that the RMT is taking this, this position. Um, you know, and, and they're the ones, I guess, that are doing the accreditation for National Registry, you know, to, to have it done. You know, uh, the one thing I, I, I want to mention 
Um, I don't know what the hell I'm yelling for, but I don't know. The, the one thing I want to mention is, is, you know, you see a lot of people online very passionate about this, right? Commenting the positive negatives for it, the money grab, it's a, it's a state issue and skills and quality and all this stuff. And then when you look at uh, sites like this Coamps, right? I looked at, I just looked at some of their stuff and it's just, it's funny to me because they have a Facebook page, they have a Twitter page and um, the, the, they have like, you know, 950 Twitter followers. You know, you know what I mean? They have a little over 2000 Facebook followers. So there's so much passion going on by the the EMS membership, the EMS community, but there's, I, there's not very many people following these lead agencies that are making these rules and that are that are guiding this education, this process. In other words, people aren't, they're not involved enough. They're not connected enough with these, you know, these organizations to say, you know, hey, this is not what should be going on or we should be adding this or taking this away. Meanwhile, you know, I know that the National Registry with this whole thing that they've got going on too now, that, that this, they, that it's, isn't it, it's open for, um, you know, comment. You can go to National Registry yes. website and it's open for yep. people to say whether they agree or disagree with this, this proposal. You know, I, I have an interesting idea. I have an interesting idea. I was going to say, I, I was going to go backwards on this and say, what do we do? Why, why don't we do this? All hospitals no longer need to do anything with Jayco. No longer that the joint commission. Yeah. Forget it. Do what you like. Just money follow grab. your state, but just follow your state guidelines. So, but I want to put this in reverse. I, you, you, you know that it, it, it impacts their finances, right? Compliance oh, yeah. with those kind of, imagine this, this would be interesting. And, and maybe it already exists because I, I am not part of a paid service. You know, I'm not, I'm not in a pay for service. I'm a, in a volunteer organization. Nobody pays for our service. And, and uh, yeah, I know you can say they got what they paid for, but uh, all right. Um, no, nobody would say that. I mean, I, I'm part of a volunteer service and we pride ourselves on, yes. on staff and education and how we treat our patients. And so there you go. Could you imagine, and maybe it's there, if... If we could maintain our credential based upon an outside agency reviewing what we do and see if we are maintaining the standards. You know, we talk about key performance indicators, but I'm finding that it's very difficult to push this in to organizations that are not part of hospitals. I'm not part of a hospital. Maybe maybe the hospital, you know, the voluntary hospitals of, uh, of New York, maybe they have a better way of doing it. For example... A key performance indicator in medical care. So, so this is stepping away from the training and going to the afterthought. Now we're in the field. Who's watching what we're doing other than our supervisors, some QAQI committees, which may and may not be completely um, there for, because they're required to be there as opposed to wanting to upgrade the skills. Imagine if they went in and say, let's see, we're looking at, and I know that there are subroutines for this. When did we run that 12-lead EKG? So the key performance indicator on running a 12-lead EKG on a person with suspected uh, cardiac ischemia 
is within 10 minutes of the first medical contact. Okay. What, percent, what percentage of the folks in your service are doing that? Well, I mean, if it's tracked. Uh, you know. Well, if it's tracked. So you haven't heard. The fact that you haven't heard is probably because nobody is looking. We can look. I have the program to look. You know, I, I would. Yeah, I mean, I work for an agency that would track that stuff. If you had a patient and you did, they would track when you hooked the monitor up. And, and when did you get, when did you give the aspirin? When did you come up with right. the sepsis well, alert? Yeah. When, did, well, there's also, Dave, I mean, there's also the, the monitor you can track that it's, it's computer and it can kind of see when you, yeah. turn it on, when you first turn yeah. the monitor on, when you first forget that it gets imported but, into your PCR. Right. But when you gave a drug, your you drug is, yes, your drug is, you want when right. it comes to that, you know. There are some things, some things that are more easily tracked than others. Yeah. But uh, imagine that your credential, your personal, forgetting about the billing, your personal credential was based upon a positive performance indicator. Not that you didn't make mistakes. Imagine that we got a grade every year, every period of time on how we're doing. I'd be okay with that. I I would love that in a profession, but I, I'm sure it would be abused one way or another. I'm just talking, this this idea just hit me in the head. I don't know if it's a good idea. I don't know if in 10 minutes after I think about it, I'm saying that was one crazy idea. So our ambulances will have a big letter A or B or C. On yeah, the like a health inspection. Like a health inspection. Yeah, I'm sure uh, lots of people will want to get on a bus like that. I would. How about putting our license, you know, in the back cab like they do in taxis so you can read the license? No, well, the, the, why the, wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want that? You should be wearing that on your lapel. Well, no, we, we wear our names on our lapel. No. And, and, your, and your position, just like a nurse, just like a physician. It was a long time before we got position on the. But isn't does that, what do cast do though, Dave? Isn't it that sort of similar? What word? Cast the, the C A C A A S. They oh, do the accreditation. That, that the it's an alternate accreditation for EMS. Right? my sleep. What do you are you thinking of? Capsi or no, no, the commission. Let me hold on. Yeah, I'm I'm stuck with them too. It, the Commission on Accreditation of Ambulance Services. Yes. Right. They're sort of the 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 Joint Commission for ambulances, right? I don't know what they've ever done on my ambulances. Well, they come inspect and they, you know, they. No, do. the state inspects us. I know, but it, but it, I know I work for numerous agencies that will have, they will want to be cast accredited. Because for whatever reason, it helps them get paid through the insurance easier. Um, you know, it, it, it sort of uh, uh, shows that they, you know, the agency meets certain guidelines when it comes to their paperwork, the stocking of the ambulances, all that type of stuff. Yeah, stocking of the ambulances, that's, that's important. And you know. some of the paperwork, yes, that it's inspected and, and the like, and that we carry. Yeah, uh, uh, a I mean, not, they don't do skills. They're not doing skills. They're not doing education. They they verify everybody's certification levels and the expiration dates and uh, you, you QAQI programs and all that type of stuff. Um, 
and I, it's just a, some people say that's a money grab. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that, that it, they, they go out there. And it may be, but it. if it wasn't there, I think there'd be an issue. Yeah. In, you know, I get so many ideas and they fall out of my head within a minute. You know, my ADHD just, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's how are these oversight agencies from other states or calling themselves nat national supposed to get into worm their way in to be a deciding or a grading factor within our organizations, especially when our organizations are already watched. I mean, my ambulance can be boarded by two organizations without me asking. You know, one is DOT, and uh, which regulates ambulances in my state. And, uh, oh, no, Department of Health, I meant DOH. And, um, and the other is the, uh, the um, as I have my own moment here, Dave. Um, Welcome to my club. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, the, uh, the city fire department, agency which sort of uh, is Sydney? overall Sydney is overall ambulances so you know now a third person wants to come in who has really no ownership at all and they want to come in and judge how we're doing maybe that's what you want it's called an impartial evaluation it's not something I don't want to be I don't want to be the person giving my agency a grade that's crazy and I don't want to be the person who votes for the person who gives my agency a grade. An impartial outsider is who we should be looking at. I'm just saying. I understand. I understand. And there's certain there's and a this certain is a problem in the whole of medicine. Yeah. I think I think our problems go beyond that into more structural problems. I think that, you know, before we talk about oversight, we need to talk about, you know, just retaining talent. I, I, I mean, I, I think a problem we have with keeping people, you know, the talent that we already have, you know, in addition to getting the new talent. And I don't know, like, like I said, I'm not sure where this national registry really is going to matter. Our, 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 ta our talent base is always going to be at a challenge. We come with all of the problems of medicine that they have in, in hospitals in clinics in private practice with all of the instability of the outside environment, going into other people's homes, doing stuff on the street, I don't know how many anesthesiologists while intubating have ever been hit by a truck. Probably none. Yeah. You know, unless they're intubating on the side of the road or, or if they have to worry about rain or, or wind or gang or members. an angry family member. Yeah, exactly that. I, I, I recognize that we, we come with all of the problems of medicine and all of the problems of an unstable environment that comes with all of, you know, what the police and the fire department and the rest of the emergency services have. We, by we definition, have it all. By definition, and we get paid Dave, the least of all Dave, of them. Yes. By definition, we have some of the greatest risks. 
we have the smallest support. We're out in the field. We have the smallest set of resources. And we're supposed to do more than is expected with, with that. Whereas when you're inside the doors of a hospital, you have all of the resources of a building. Whether that alone is just light and, and atmospheric control to down the hall is an expert in difficult intubations or down the hall is an expert in, uh, in venous puncture or down the hall is an expert in uh, uh, epidemiology. Yeah, you know, this has yes. been the, now mix that. So we have those, they're never going away. We're always gonna recognize it. We're the first out in the field. We are first responders. We're not final responders. We're not the end all be all. We're the first in a long series of medical care for a seriously sick or injured person. Would, okay? would, you say, would you say this is generally a field for younger medical providers with the lifting yes. and, and stuff? The, there is. So, yes. Younger. So is, younger wait you a know. second. Hold it. The, we're coming along. So it used to be like all things, you know, you work in a steel mill. You needed to be a big person with, you know, the ability to lift anything because of that. So we have had a long way that we've progressed. You know, we have track stair chairs that, although are heavier to carry up, yeah, are awesome. way easier to move a patient. We have uh, power lifts, we have power stretchers, and it's allowing a lot of uh, a lot of people to uh, to um, sidestep that injury that everybody who's picked up a two man stretcher knows about. We okay. still have to get them off the floor onto the stretches. We still have to do that, but you want to know something? That's technique, more as much as it's anything else. And, but and how? So, so let me power. let me just circle back to my first statement. If you're not going to retain the experience, if you're not going to you know get the people who can teach, see one, do one, teach one, you're not going to get anywhere. And right now, we have had just the largest attrition. In, the healthcare industry has had the largest attrition it's had in probably a hundred years. We got beat up. Shit, yeah, and we're still getting beat up. beat up. Yes, right. It's and when it over. comes to and listen, you know, it's like I was just talking about it with a bunch of my uh, coworkers. We got together, and it's like they were talking about. Well, after all of that on on uh, COVID and everything else that hit, um, what did you get for EMS week? Nothing. What do you mean? Nothing. Not even a pizza, a sandwich, or anything. I'm well, you don't care. Last week, I don't. But I don't you, need an, I have more shirts than I can handle. I got all the little do I understand, I, but you, you know, appreciation is, doesn't occur in a week. I. Do you have Doctor Appreciation Week? You got that? I know what? we have Nurse Appreciation Week. No, of course week. not. How about that? Why do they do it? Why do they do it? Because we're, we're infantile. They know that we're treated like shit in the first place. We're infantile. I don't need that. You don't need that. I would rather be appreciated for what I do. And I get appreciation for what I do from my patients. Hey, I love that. I'll take you a know, shirt. You want to give me a shirt? I demand appreciation. I usually say I, thank you for my service before I leave. Damn straight, Skippy. <laughs> I have to. I have to say, how many nurses do you know that that can intubate, uh, start a line, give a drug, uh, shock, 
you know, uh, yeah, you know, everything give, except give the intubation. I, I know there nurses who can do that. Okay. Listen, I, but they're still considered, what we do. they I are agree. still considered a knowledge base and a level of professionalism above where EMS is. How many times, yeah. David, you walked hey, into it? And why is that? And why is that? Why do we keep fighting education? Listen, here, here's what we need. We it's need, not all, a, it's not all a four-year degree. This is going to be heresy. <laughs> I know the only thing, the only thing a four-year degree guarantees you is financial debt. A job in an accounting firm. It doesn't guarantee you anything. Heresy. And they do this in places. Imagine if you went, in order to be a paramedic, it was a subspecialty of nursing. And then you you could move from the field. I can't imagine. Who would have said that, Dave? Who would have come up with that idea? I, I certainly didn't. Earn you we the got state. states like that. You know, there are states in the United States that are like that. I did not know that. Really? When did that hmm. start? Check out Ohio. Oh, okay. Google so, nurse so all of their medics are nurses? No, I said check out Ohio. Look up nurse paramedic. Well, we uh, there's lots of places that have Could you imagine paramedic. saying, listen, I've, I'm 48 years old. I was 48 years old. Uh, A century ago. 25 years ago. Not quite, but uh, oh, almost 23 years ago. I, I'm 48 years old. I've had enough of lifting these people from the basement up onto the, you know, those stair chairs are great going down, but going up from the basement, they're still not coming up on their own. There's still gravity to fight. Um, I've had enough of that. I'm going to move myself back into a hospital environment or a clinic environment. I will still be ready for ride-alongs to counsel the new folk that you complain we're missing. This is a field that needs to grow exponentially to be a really good field to have all the stuff that they have in the rest of medicine. Let's just take that thought, Dave, and move it a little bit further down, down the line, okay? Now you, you have as a branch of nursing EMS, right? So you now have all of the contacts and conveniences and everything else that nursing goes. Why do you want to move inside to the hospital to become a nurse? The bottom line, I'll answer that for you, is because it's easier on your back. It's, yeah. it's well, that's I'm, I'm not. A, that's exactly the scenario I gave you. Environment, right? Right. But I'm, yeah. I'm saying that you know, in every single you know, we have. So in New York City, they they decided to get. Uh, for, but you for should have a field that lets you grow and move in that direction. They used EMS as a stepping stone to get into fire suppression. Where did oh, the yeah. majority of that, career that, EMS go? That was that was baloney. That's still baloney. You don't think so? That's still baloney. Oh, I oh, I know that they do it. Of course they do it. Right. It's it's an insider's route. I mean, and firefighters are teaching that to their children. Right. Because it's less known, but they're teaching it to their children. They're well, still it's not getting more or less known, yeah. Well, I mean, all the firefighters, anybody in the fire service who so wants their children that, in it, who are afraid that they're not going to place on the firefighter list, tell them become an EMT. That still makes the landing of driving an ambulance less than yes. any of the professions that you have put forward. I I didn't put it forward. I say nurse medic and pay them like a nurse. Hey, I've been you know saying what? that if, for if years. 
years. Well, you know this. You know, but they did the critical care transport trucks. That's who was on the, on those trucks. And you know, and the, the nurse critical medic, care nurse is getting twice the pay of the paramedic. They they would do the, the critical transports. They would work with an EMT normally. And the EMT would be the driver. I can't tell you how many times I did a critical care transport, all right? And we had to because the state law in our adjoining state have to have a nurse from that state on there. She didn't know it didn't know anything. I mean, she might might have known, but for our, our job, didn't know. She said, it's your patient. I don't know the drugs. I don't know everything else. I yeah. really, I don't know your equipment. But because of law, we had to have a yet another person uh, on board, which, of course, is another liability in the whole picture of things. But yeah. why, why do we have? And that's what I'm basically saying, and that's why I pulled up that community example before, is there are maybe laws that don't make sense anymore. Oh, please. Our founding fathers nailed it. We don't need another law. All right, listen. Let's, guys, let's wrap it that? up because we're <laughs> going over an hour here. So That's I don't want to keep, uh, you know, beating the drum. And I don't think we've got anywhere. So, okay. We, we didn't solve the national problem? No. And well, I was going to go ahead and take this and transcribe it, send it to the National Registry and say, here, the problem is solved. We fixed it. Well, why don't you just restate the purpose of this show? Right, Jim. Talk what you normally talk about in front of an ambulance. We're not here to solve the problem. We're not here to solve problems. Here but to I do hope that, listen, I hope people that, the people that listen today, I, I really appreciate everyone popping in, making comments. Um, it really does fuel the show uh, a little bit and helps us stay on track at times as well. Um, and I hope that some of the things we've talked about kind of gets people thinking a little bit, you know, uh, gets them kind of seeing maybe a different point of view that maybe they weren't thinking of. Um, and I, I encourage people to go ahead and, and leave comments even after the, this live, the, the live is over and let us, you know, let us know. Maybe we missed a point. Maybe we, spend too much time at a point or, or whatever the case may be, because it's the feedback that helps us keep going. And then if we get feedback, we can always do another show based on something that somebody said that uh, we want to maybe go a little bit deeper into. I know we have some, some other things to talk about, uh, but hopefully we'll do that next time on a different show. All right. All right. Sure. All right. So down with the national registry. <laughs> uh, let your vote count alright guys um, I appreciate you joining me you guys want to end with anything before we wrap it up uh, no this was a good I'm discussion sorry. I think it could have gone uh, much oh, longer go on forever. Uh, but it's not, this isn't Joe Rogan we can't go on for three hours that's, that's true that's true uh, yeah. I'm just well, I'm looking at Shlomo's last uh, statement we need more education less supervision I'm not going to agree with that. We need we need education and supervision, but we need the structure that's we need the right to supervision. Together. We need the structure that's going to keep us together. You know, yeah. yeah. All right, guys. All right. Uh, that's it. As always, I am Jim Hoffman. Josh, now Dave Brenner. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>